Welcome to Canadian Equities, a short bi-weekly podcast series where we speak with top business leaders and hear their perspectives on the industries in which they operate. For the full-length version, find our link in the podcast notes or connect with us at acumencapital.com. I'm your host, Robert Cooper. Today, I'm joined by Tidewater Midstream and Infrastructure founder and CEO, Joel McLeod. Tidewater is a Canadian integrated midstream and infrastructure company that has interest in refining natural gas processing, crude oil storage and transportation, rail logistics and gas storage. More recently, Tidewater spun out a new business, Tidewater Renewables, that is involved in the energy transition. Today, we will be discussing entrepreneurs, energy infrastructure, deal-making, and the energy transition. Joel, thanks for spending time with us today. Well, thanks, Rob, and thanks to the Acumen team for all your support. Joel, you were a CFO prior to starting Predator and then Tidewater. What made you want to make the jump from working for someone, so to speak, to working for yourself as an entrepreneur? Well, that's a great question, Rob. I would say team team is everything, but on, on the early days... Um, even the first oil and gas acquisition I did in Predator Oil, $15 million transaction, personal guarantee, I would say just believing, believing in yourself and then having support from those around you. And then obviously, as we get to the size of a Tidewater midstream, your team is is everything. You can no longer rely on yourself to to drive the, the majority of the value. So team uh, continues to be more and more important and just uh, always a big thank you to all my team members. Joel, for those who may not know Tidewater, what exactly do you do? So Tidewater Midstream, um, initially we had a crude oil non-compete. So when we started six, seven years ago, we were very focused on NGLs. Propane in particular, propane was around zero um, and NGLs and then into gas storage, gas. But if we were to simplify what we do, our, our goal is to improve producers' netbacks. So our customers being producers, their gas molecules or our gas storage um, giving them egress options, but also net back improvement options, propane, uh, leveraging our rail cars, our pipelines where we connect in, even our fractionation at Brazo River to, to deliver improved net backs for those customers on their propane. And now with a refinery as well in, in BC, tied into the BC Montney to be able to offer diesel-based um, pricing or work towards diesel-based pricing. We have gasoline uh, and, and just having options to, to give to our customers to help improve their profit margins or, or as we refer to in the oil and gas industry, they're to net back. Tidewater Renewables is perfectly positioned for the energy transition. How do you see that so-called transition playing out over the coming years? Yeah, transition. I think we're all anyone who says they're an expert. I'd say we're all we're all learning. We definitely feel we're a leader in clean fuels within Tidewater Renewables. We're very fortunate to have one of two refineries in BC. So ourselves and Parkland have have the two refineries in BC. Um, and those of you that that aren't Canadian too, just background would be BC is essentially the California of Canada. So definitely the greenest province have the highest diesel prices in North America, gasoline as well, and have LCFS credits in BC that would trade significantly higher than, than California. Um, that's mainly due to us not having national RIN and DTC programs, but just trying to give a, uh, the, the listeners a sense of, of the environment in British Columbia. So we're very fortunate to have one of two 
refineries and, and very fortunate to have the BC government support. The BC government supported our first uh, project, $225 million of capital with $100 million of, of grant support. Uh, so, Rob, we'd like to work towards being a leader in clean fuels to see that government support we've seen in BC. We've also seen support in Alberta and also from the federal government. We will have what I believe is the first renewable diesel facility online here in Q1 of 2023 our $225 million project, and then are working hard to leverage our our knowledge of the natural gas industry, our relationships with the agriculture industry on on projects like RNG and feedstocks for our our renewable diesel project. But I would say to be a leader in clean fuels in Canada and reduce the, the carbon intensity of fuels, starting with our renewable diesel project. But don't be surprised if that involves into to RNG, hydrogen, we have hydrogen production with our renewable diesel project. We'll also have a large uh, renewable hydrogen plant with excess hydrogen, low carbon intensity hydrogen, um, our gas storage asset that resides in Tidewater Renewables, and even, even our carbon capture assets that sit in uh, Tidewater Midstream. Today, uh, I feel we're positioned as well as anyone to, to bring low carbon intensity fuels to, to the market and potentially to, to the globe. You've completed a lot of transactions over your career in your mind and beyond price and asset quality and, and those sorts of motherhood statements around M&A. What makes for a successful transaction? And and I guess here I'm thinking of an integration plan or realizing cost synergies or things of that nature. Oh, every, every acquisition is, is a little different. I think for us, Rob, one, one thing if it boils down to, especially on the larger acquisitions, would be people. I think the Prince George acquisition of the refinery would be a great example. Um, we have, uh, I don't think we've changed uh, less than 1% uh, of the people ha- have changed. So to have an incredible team on the ground that knows refining better than I ever will, to have a refinery that that run times are top decile, profit margins are top top quartile for sure and maybe even towards top decile so people are are so important to us um and and having them believe in the story being there to support them and i think even if you looked at a prince george i think we've had record refined product sales in covid years and we continue to de-bottleneck that refinery and and improve free cash flow generation but the biggest contributor to that is not us or me in head office it's our team on the ground. We definitely have ideas, have a lot of crazy ideas, um, but the execution, the day-to-day operation, it's our field team and, and really appreciate all that they do. What's been the most difficult challenge you've had to deal with as an entrepreneur? Well, I, I would say, Rob, it probably is these last two years. Most of my experience has been in smaller companies, although Prime West was a large entity that sold for $4 billion, but the companies I ran have been smaller and a 10, 20, 30, 40 people. So for us to now have 450 staff, um, I would say that's uh, that has been, for me, our, our biggest struggle. We care a, a lot about our people. And some would say, Joel, you care too much about our people, but they're on our team uh, and they're part of our, our Tidewater family. And I would just say seeing the mental health of 450 people most would say statistics are going to show that you will have one or two percent, especially through COVID. And it's the first time in my career, Rob, that I've seen that uh, maybe even burnout, but stress. Uh, and for me, that that's tough. If there's a transaction or a deal or a commercial transaction, can always find ways to work through or, or let it go. 
But when you have your own team members struggling with COVID, for me, that's not something I can just let 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 pass by. So it feels as though we're we're through the majority. Definitely of the COVID pain, energy industry is picking up. We've spun out our renewables en- entity with a lot of interest. So there's a lot of excitement in the office. Morale's definitely heading in the right direction. It, it feels like the majority's behind us, but even I have to learn. Uh, as a leader of 400 plus people that that we're going to, I think you'll continue to see mental health. And then I, I have to learn, our team has to learn how, how to deal with that. And and really be for me, it's just being there to to, to talk to those team members and, and hear them and listen. Um, but I, I think a lot of learning on that front for myself and, and more than happy to support our team members as we wouldn't be here without them. Joel, was there someone in your career that you looked up to or was your mentor and that you modeled yourself yourself after in business or alternatively gave you a lot of guidance as you went through your career that you want to talk about? I, th- I think there was actually quite a few, but the one that, that would stand out would be Mr. Don Garner. Um, I was probably, I don't know, 25 or so when I uh, received my CA slash CPA, uh, Sarbanes-Ox, late um, working at Prime West Energy Trust, where Don was the CEO, um, that entity sold to TACA for for four billion, and Don semi retired, and and I went to him uh, in my late twenties to to start to go to land sales, acquire land, uh, and even how he conducted himself as as a Saskatchewan farm boy, just being open and honest and direct with my background as well, being. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd say coming from um, definitely no connections to oil and gas, farming, uh, hardworking dishwasher, um, won my first job. Just just having someone I could relate to was very, very successful. And he, he messaged to me, just be yourself, Joel. Be open and honest. Work hard. And I never feel I'm the smartest guy in the room, but but happy to work as hard as, as anyone. So I'd say Don's mentorship has been huge. And even in those first transactions, Rob, uh, he was always an investor and a supporter and having his name associated with those first $15 million personal guarantee type of opportunities were huge for me. So always have a big thanks and lots of time for Don. Thanks for joining us today on Canadian Equities. Thanks for having us, Rob. We, We really appreciate it and appreciate all of Acumen's support. Note that this podcast is not making an investment recommendation on any companies discussed. We welcome your comments on today's episode or any other episode. Connect with us at acumencapital.com.